let's read uh, God's word together. Uh, Matthew 17, verse 14. Hear God's word because uh, you are his beloved children. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up uh, to Jesus and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire, and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind never comes out except by prayer and fasting. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that uh, you would help us now as we study it, that it would reach into our souls, that we would um, have ears to hear, that you would give sight to the blind, open the ears of the deaf, raise the dead. And uh, as we hear your word, that we would respond with repentance, that we would turn away from our sin, our self-sufficiency, our thinking that we don't need you. Help us to turn away from that and to turn in faith to trust in you and rest in you. And so guide us now as we commit our minds to studying your holy word, and we ask for your spirit to be our guide. In Jesus' name, amen. So... uh, this morning we're talking about what I think is, it may sound like a very basic topic, faith, right? I mean, isn't that what we talk about every week when we come to church, just talking about faith? Well, um, faith is actually a really important part, thinking carefully about what faith is, a really important part of our community in this church. Because um, one of the most important convictions of our church is that the way people change the way people's lives are changed is not by God simply telling them, this is what I expect from you. This is how you should live. So if I kind of got up here every, work, every week and I say, hey, this is how you're supposed to live. These are the things that God likes you to do and these are the things that God doesn't like you to do. Do the good things. Be a good person. What will happen is you may initially respond to that and say, well, I better be a good person. And for a short while, you're, you might have some change in your behavior. But there will not be a long-term enduring transformation of your character, of your inner life, of your heart. Your heart will not change. And so one of the major questions is, how does the Bible say that your life is going to change? It's not by God saying, these are the good things for you to do. The Bible says that the way that we change is by grace through faith. God changes us as a gift by grace through faith. It is through receiving God's grace that our life has changed. And so, you know, you know, what does God give us in his grace? Well, you think about it. Well, the Bible says, first of all, that by grace, God gives us a new status. So, you know, Jesus 
died for all of our sins, to forgive our sins, and, and uh, he lived the perfect life that we didn't live. And so he gives us his status before God so that we have this identity, if we believe in Jesus and we've received his gift, then we have this identity that I'm a beloved child of God. That's who I am. And as soon as you start believing that, that's starting to change you on a very deep, profound level. But then the Bible says not only that God gives you a new identity, but also that if you are a child of God, God promises to give you his Holy Spirit to live inside of you and actually take your heart of stone, your hard heart, your self-willing heart, and give you a soft heart that loves him and loves other people. So he gives you the Holy Spirit. And both these things, the identity and the inner transformation, are a gift that God gives to you. And so our part, then, is what? Receiving the gift. That's our main disposition towards God, is receiving and resting, not earning and working. Many of us think that the way that we approach God is by trying to earn his approval and working for him. And what the Bible says is actually God wants to come... Uh, wants us to come with him with a spirit of receiving and resting. And this receiving and resting is what faith is. Okay, so this is, this. maybe you've heard that, maybe you feel like you've heard that a, a million times, but it is a key thing that we need to hear over and over again. And this passage right here talks to us about how this act of faith, receiving and resting, is central to being a follower of Jesus. That if you want to follow Jesus, this is what he calls you to, is receiving and resting in his grace. And so this morning, we're going to learn four things about faith from this passage, and this is what they are. Four things. That first, first, sorry, faith, a lot of F's, faith, faith, slipping into the other words. Okay, faith, (coughs) faith begins with helplessness. We begin to have faith when we experience helplessness in our lives. So first, faith begins with helplessness. Faith is not a work. Third, faith looks like prayer. And fourth, faith looks to Jesus. The focus, the object of faith is Jesus. Okay, four four things. Helplessness, faith is not a work, faith looks like prayer, and faith looks to Jesus. So the first of those is that faith begins with helplessness. When you feel helpless in your life, you are now in the place to begin to receive and rest upon God's provision and grace and power. It's only when, you're, when you feel helpless. When you don't feel helpless, you don't turn to him in faith. And you can see, you know, this story um, is a story about Jesus healing a boy who had, who had um, epilepsy and is possessed by a demon. And the one person that we really see in this passage that has, you know is experiencing helplessness, is the boy's father. Look, look, at, look again at verse 14. And when they came to the crowd, a man came to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly. For, he often, for often he falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. Okay, here's a man um, who ha- with a son who has both a physical issue, uh, epilepsy, 
But also we find out that there is a spiritual condition that goes with that because Jesus ends up casting out a demon out of this man. So, so this man's son is struggling with both a physical condition and a spiritual condition. And, you know, for those of you who have children at various stages of childhood and you know, adulthood, you know that that is one of the things that, that gives you the deepest sense of helplessness is when your children have either a physical condition that you can't fix or a spiritual condition that you can't fix. And you feel like your main responsibility as a parent is to fix those things, and you can't. And it is in those states that we often feel the most helpless. And that's, that's of course, the state of this man as he comes to Jesus, is he's totally helpless. He cannot fix his son's situation. And, um, and what this man teaches us is that you learn to fall at Jesus' feet. That's what it says. He was kneeling before Jesus. You fall at Jesus' feet when you're experiencing helplessness without him. And this is where faith begins. Now, I'll tell you one of the reasons why this is an important realization to have, that faith begins with helplessness, is because we often think the exact opposite. In our culture, when we talk about faith, we generally think of faith as kind of more of a confidence in the world. Like, you know, people who have strong faith are people who see the world and they have a boldness and they go out in the world and they're going to take on the world and they kind of believe in themselves. And um, the father in this story, he's not like that at all. And, you know, it's interesting... Many of these stories that are in Matthew's Gospel, they also show up in some of the other Gospels. And in the Gospel of Mark, which has many of these same stories, Mark tends to give more details about these stories. And in this, about this story, in, in Mark 9.22, this is what Mark adds. And some of you will know these famous words from this father who falls down at Jesus' feet. This is what it says. The father comes to Jesus and says, If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can... All things are possible for the one who believes. And, and now listen to this great line. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. This man is not this pillar of confidence who's going out and taking on the world. Um, he is a mixture of belief and unbelief. He has all kinds of emotions that he's wrestling with. Of course he believes something in Jesus because he's come to Jesus and he's kneeling down before him. And he says, I want to believe and I'm growing. I'm trying more. I'm here. I'm trying to learn. My, you know, I'm trying to grow. And what does Jesus do with this man who's kind of a mixture who has some faith and some doubt mingled in? What does Jesus do? He heals the man's son. He receives him and gives him his power. And what Jesus does not say to him is he doesn't say, listen, when you have perfect confidence and you perfectly believe that I can do it, and there's not an ounce of doubt left in you, and you have a serenity that you come, that you believe that I can do it, then I will act for you. That's not what he does. Jesus says, come as you are. Cast your anxieties and your helplessness upon me. And that is when he begins to act. He knows that we have mixed emotions. And you know, actually, in Jude 22... It says to have mercy on those who doubt. The Bible is very honest with us uh, about um, the, uh, the frailty that we have that when we come to God and the kind of faith and the neediness we have and the helplessness when we come to him. 
And so Jesus says, I'm looking for someone who will turn to me in their helplessness and their weakness, not in their boldness and confidence and strength, but in their weakness will come to me. And so that's the beginning of faith. It's not, it's not boldness and confidence. It's helplessness is where it starts. And, you know, I remember um, when I was in junior high, and I didn't grow up in the church, and I, you know, I didn't know much about Christianity and much about Jesus. And one, I remember one of the first things that I heard about Jesus was in the locker room when it was in junior high, and there was some kid who was talking about walking on water. And he was saying, you know, Jesus walked on water, and it was because he totally believed that he could do it. And I think that if you and I could totally, 100% believe that if we walked on water, then I think we could do it. And I thought, man, is that true? It's like, I could walk on water if I really tried, focused hard and believed not. But, you know, one of the things that he was saying was that faith is this thing that if you have enough of it, if you work hard enough at it, and if you can build up enough of it, then anything can happen and all this power is released. And it's as if the, the faith itself is something that you're working up inside of you. I think that's actually the opposite of what the Bible says. And this, is, and this is the second thing that we learn about faith in this passage. It's not just that faith begins with helplessness, but second, that faith is not a work. Faith is not a work that you are doing for God or, or the work that you're trying to muster up in order to make the world do what you want it to. And uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is part of our doctrinal standard as, as a church, was written in the 1640s, um, has a great definition of, uh, of faith, faith in Jesus Christ. This is what it says. Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. Judas says, faith, the key words there, is receiving and resting, which are very different words than working, right? You know, I think generally, many of us, when we approach God, we think that the the relationship is kind of an employer-employee relationship. You know, I'm going to do enough good works, and and then he's going to kind of pay me for my good works that I did, and, you know, by blessing me with a good life, and, you know, God, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to obey the Bible. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray enough. I'm going to go to home groups, and I'm going to be involved in everything. And then now you're kind of indebted to me for, for the good things that I've done. This isn't, that's not what faith is. That's an earning and working. Faith is saying, I, I deserve nothing from God. And so I have a posture of believing that God is generous and I'm going to receive his grace and I'm going to rest in it. And, um, and, you know, you might think receiving and resting, you know, that sounds, that sounds so easy. Receiving and resting, that's all God's going to demand of us? Receiving and resting? Well, you know, not so fast. It is easy in a sense, but in another sense, it's completely unnatural for us. It is unnatural for us to believe that God is open-handed and generous, and he wants us to rest in his love and grace. It is not natural for us. Some of you see that in your own hearts. You see that your default is, either I, I don't deserve anything from God, so he is reluctant to give things to me when I pray to him. He's reluctant to listen to me. Or, you know, you have a, and what goes with that is a tendency towards self-sufficiency. I don't like being dependent on other people. And that comes out not just in your relationship with God, but your relationship with other people. I need to figure things out for myself. I'm going to get things in order. I'm not going to be needy to anyone. I'm not going to let anyone know my helplessness. 
And all of these things are a sense of self-will and self-sufficiency, which are actually the opposite of faith. So in some ways, faith, is it easy? Yes, well, you're resting and receiving from God, but it's totally unnatural for us. And, um, you know, I think Jesus um, is hitting on in this passage that faith is not about us working, but about God's work in this passage. Because, you know, so, the, the, so Jesus was just up on the mountain with his disciples. He did the transfiguration we saw last week where Jesus displayed his glory to his disciples. And they come down the mountain and they come to this situation where this, this father has come, asked the disciples, the other disciples who were down at the bottom of the mountain, to heal his son, and the disciples couldn't do it. And so this is what it says then in verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, because of your little faith. Now when we hear that, Jesus says they didn't have enough faith to cast out the demon. And so we begin to hear that and we'd be like, well, that sounds like they needed to work up some more faith in them. It, right? They, they didn't have enough faith. They didn't believe hard enough. They didn't close their eyes hard enough and say, I really believe that I could walk on water. You know, they were they only at, you know, 15%. They needed 85% water to cast out, you know, 85% faith to believe, cast out demons. And so you, you think that this begins to sound like faith is something you need to work up, and they didn't work it up enough. But look at what Jesus says next. This is very odd. Jesus says, it was because of your little faith. But then he says, for truly I say to you, if you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. What's he talking about? He just said, the problem was you had little faith, and now he's saying, all you need is a little faith. You need a faith like a mustard seed. What, what, is, uh, what is Jesus saying? You know, I, I should just make a comment about the mountain. You know, some of you might say, Jesus is saying we can like just move mountains with our mind or something like that. Is that what he's talking about? And, uh, you know, a couple of answers to that. First, I think Jesus is comparing the mustard seed to a mountain, right? You know, physically, these are two things that are opposites, right? The mustard seed is infinitesimal and the mountain is, you know, gigantic. And, um, and I think in general, what he's saying to his disciples, you know, mountains in the ancient world, if you're a traveler, were big obstacles. You know, if you're, if you're traveling, you know, how am I going to, I'm going to, it goes right in the middle of my path, I'm going to have to go around this mountain, or I'm going to have to climb over it. And so what Jesus is saying to them is when you go do your mission, you are going to have major obstacles in your path. And you are going to think, how are we ever going to get around these in our ministry? And he says, you pray to me and you trust in me and even insurmountable obstacles I can remove. I can remove them for you. Nothing is impossible for me you will encounter that kind of question many times as a follower of Jesus, is to trust in his ability to do that. But what Jesus is saying is that the power is not in the faith. So they had little faith, but he's saying, actually, it was more like no faith. And what he's saying is, if you have a little bit of faith in the one who is powerful, then you will be able to move mountains, because God is the worker. We're not the workers. God is the worker. And, you know, I'll just tell you, this is, this is a realization that I, I had personally just a couple of years ago in, in my own prayer life, because I, I saw those promises in the Scripture where the Scriptures would say things where Jesus tells us to believe that God is going to give us the things that we ask of Him. 
And so I thought, you know, does that mean when I'm praying, I've got to focus really hard and, and believe that, that I, I can get the, the, the thing I'm asking for, I'm going to get it? And, you know, actually, I would say oftentimes in churches, that's how it's communicated to us. You know, if you claim it hard enough, if you really believe hard enough that you're going to get it, God is going to give this blessing into your life. The realization that I had was that the thing that I'm supposed to believe in is not that I'm going to get the thing I asked for. I'm supposed to believe that there's someone really listening to me. My faith is that God is good and that he's powerful and that he's actually attentive to what I'm saying and that he takes seriously my words. And so my trust is not in the power of my faith to accomplish what I want. My trust is in the person of God, that he is good and that he is powerful. And so this is the key, is that even a little bit of faith that is directed towards in the right direction can be really powerful because God is powerful. So let me, let me give you one other you know, illustration of this. N.T. Wright, who's a New Testament scholar, describes it this way. He says, you know, imagine that you're inside a house and you're going to try to look out of the house to see the moon. How big of a window do you need to see the moon from inside the house? Well, he says, you know, you could have just a teeny crack in the wall. And even if you have a teeny little crack in the wall, you can see this giant moon because of the, the power of the moon to shine into the, uh, into the house. And that's what he's saying. You just need a little bit of faith in order to see the, the, the shine. Uh, the shining of God's power. But, he says, if you have a giant window on the other side of the house that is huge, but it's facing in the wrong direction, you still won't see the moon. And so even if you have giant faith that is directed in the wrong direction, it's not, even small faith directed towards the right God is more powerful than giant faith directed somewhere else. Okay? And so that's essentially what Jesus is saying here. And so what we first learn about faith is that first, faith it begins with a state of helplessness. If you feel helplessness in any area of your life right now, this is the place where God is inviting you into faith and trust in Him. That's the place. But second, faith is not a work. It is not something that you're trying to do enough of so that God will be, bless you and be pleased with you. It is a receiving and resting. But some of you will say, okay, it's helplessness and it's not a work. Then what is it? What does it look like? What does faith look like when it shows up in my life? And um, I think the answer to that is this third point, that faith looks like prayer. Faith in our life looks like prayer. And you'll notice I mentioned that last verse, verse 21. Um, where Jesus says, but this kind never comes out except by prayer and, excuse me, except by prayer and fasting. And as I mentioned, uh, you know, some of you may not know this, you know, we have very ancient manuscripts about, uh, the from the Gospels and from the New Testament. I mean, more than uh, any other document from the ancient world, we have a plethora of manuscripts of the New Testament. And so we have quite a lot of confidence that what we're reading is what the original authors wrote, but you will have some manuscripts where there is a verse in one that's not in another. And this is one of those verses which likely came from the Gospel of Mark where some scribe added this little bit into the end of, of this paragraph from Matthew from Mark because in Mark it certainly says in Mark 9.29 and he said to them, Jesus said to them, this kind, this kind of 
uh, condition or this demon, this kind, cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And so when the disciples are asking, why couldn't we cast it out? He says, well, first of all, you just need faith like a mustard seed and nothing's going to be impossible for you because God is so powerful. But also, by the way, you should be praying. That faith like a mustard seed is going to look like praying. And what it tells us is that, you know, the disciples, in chapter 10, Jesus had sent them out through the countryside to, uh, to go on a mission. And he was, uh, and they were healing people, they were preaching the gospel, and they were uh, casting out demons. And apparently during that time where they've been doing all this work, they've come to the idea that they can just kind of cast out demons like a magic trick. Now they have the power to cast out demons. And so it turns out that while they're standing here and you know, there's this crowd gathered around and they're trying to cast a demon out of this kid and nothing's happening, and everyone's like, why isn't it working? It didn't occur to anyone in that whole scene to pray. Why don't we pray about this and ask God to cast out the demon? Which is an amazing thing. that Here, here are the disciples that have been with Jesus this long and they still don't think to even pray. Except that I see myself in that. I, I have been shocked at the number of times as either as a, you know, as a pastor, uh, you know, and there's situations happening in the church that are causing me anxiety and I'm racking my brain thinking about how am I going to handle this? I'm talking to people to get advice. And never once did I open my mouth and actually ask God for provision, for his spirit, for wisdom to work these things out. I never even talked to him. And uh, there are all kinds of things. There are things that I long for God to do in the church were um, um, things that are causing me anxiety in other places in my life. And I think for many of us, that's the case. We have things that cause us so much turmoil. And we'll go days and days and weeks and we'll realize, I have not said a word about this to God. I have not vocalized it. He has not been the primary person I've talked to about this. And the most, what that says is, um, the most natural expression of faith is prayer. Telling God your burdens, your anxieties, your needs, and trusting that he cares, he is listening, and he is all-powerful. Faith in our lives looks like praying. Now, I know that some of you will say, uh, um, okay, faith looks like praying. Now, tell me how that works at the last point. Because you just told me that faith is not a work, and now you're saying that faith looks like prayer. And I'll tell you what, prayer often feels like a lot of work sometimes. To, uh, it's very hard for me to do. And isn't prayer work? It, uh, it feels like it. And, you know, I, you know, I have to say that it shouldn't feel like work. I think it's because it's so unnatural to us. I think prayer can turn into a work because some of you will say, well, the pastor says I need to pray and God is going to be disappointed in me if I'm not praying enough. And so I need to pray in order to please God. As, it, as soon as it turns into that, yes, it becomes a work. But prayer... Um, sorry, what do I want to say here? Prayer is what a life of faith looks like. If your life is one of receiving and resting, if that's the natural thing to you, is I look to God to rest in his grace and receive his grace and his love, 
the most natural way to express that is to tell God the anxieties that, that, that are happening in your life, is to tell him those things. And so it's not, faith itself is not a work, but faith results in prayer when we rest, when we rest and trust in God. And so cultivating a life of faith, I think, is essentially synonymous with cultivating a life of talking to God in prayer. And so I want to, just as a question for you, how many of the things that come up in your mind that cause you stress, decisions that have to be made, result in you actually vocalizing those things to God, pausing and saying those things to Him? How often does that happen? Don't hear that is, I need to pray more in order to please God. Hear that is, why am I trying to control my own life? Why am I trying to live in my own strength? Why am I unwilling to receive God's grace? Why do I not believe that God is good and that he would help me? Those are all the heart issues that are behind why we're not praying. And so the first thing is to go to the character of God and believe that he is good and he's powerful and that he can be trusted. And so uh, let me just say that if that's you and you say, you know, I don't pray, I do find that I try to figure everything out on my own and my own wisdom and my own intellect and I can do this and I don't need anyone and I'm not helpless and I'm sufficient for myself. If you realize that that's your tendency, then let me just invite you this morning to repentance, to turn away from that life of self-sufficiency that will actually distance you from God's love. Just acknowledge that that's the case with you and know that there's forgiveness for you in Christ and that God invites you to speak to him and to rest in his love and his grace. And that's what repentance is, is turning from our self-sufficiency to turning to the one who is powerful and who is good. And that's really the last thing that we're going to say about faith this morning, is that faith looks at Jesus. The object of faith is not things that we think that can happen in the world or believing in ourselves. The object of faith is Jesus himself. And, you know, the heart of this story really is a man who's coming to Jesus looking to him for help. And um, I think this is an important thing because, you know, as I mentioned before, faith in our culture is generally more of a self-confidence kind of thing. And, I'll, I'll t- you, you know, that I believe that I can do things. I believe that I can achieve my goals. I believe that things can happen in the world. And I'll tell you, one of the things is, is our world... It talks a lot about those kinds of things, of, of achieving goals and, um, you know, fulfilling your dreams, having dreams and going out and, and believing that they can happen. One of, the, one of the things that we just need to be aware of is that for those of us who are, you know, goal-oriented, we like to set goals, we believe that things can happen, and so we, we envision what's going to happen in the future and we go and boldly go out into the world. It turns out that that actually kind of works. That's one problem, why that's so tempting for us to think that that's what faith is, is because those things actually work, because we're made in the image of God. You know, God had this vision of creating a universe, and then he did it, and he, we're made in his image. And so we can actually dream up new things that are in the world that aren't there yet, and we can create them, and it feels so powerful. And so we think that when we do that, we set goals, and we go out and achieve things, and, and we're bold, and we're confident, we think that we're actually experiencing faith. But all those things could potentially cause us to become more self-sufficient and distance us from God because that's not helplessness. That's not neediness. That's not weakness. And it's in weakness that we come to the Lord 
and depend on Him. And I'll just tell you, there are many people who can set goals in the world and who can see things and, and they can fulfill their dreams and yet their hearts are turned in on themselves. They don't love God. They don't love others. They haven't learned to draw near to other people. They haven't learned compassion for the weak. And we don't have compassion for the weak unless we know that we're the weak and God has shown compassion to us. And so what we have to see is that the way that our life changes is through faith. It's by grace through faith, receiving and resting. And that looks like a sense of helplessness and weakness before God. It looks like understanding that my faith is not a work. It's not something that I'm building up and then if I have enough of it, then the world, you know, God will do what I want in the world. It means trusting in a father who's really good and really listens to me. And it learns, it means beginning to say out loud my needs and my anxieties and my stress to God and believing that he's actually listening. When this simple, soft-hearted receiving and resting becomes the mainstay of our lives, our lives begin to change. We begin to love God and we begin to love each other. And so, uh, let me just invite you to turn from self-sufficiency and turn to Jesus who even in our mixture, even in our belief, help me with my unbelief, he receives us. And he, will, he received this Father, he will receive you too. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we thank you that you bid us to come to you in our helplessness and our powerlessness. That you don't call us to build up strong faith, but just simply to have the faith of a mustard seed, but a faith that looks to you and your goodness and your power. Lord, I pray for those who are here and for myself as we struggle to pray and to bring our anxieties to you. Lord, you know it is because often we don't believe that you will be good. It is because we don't believe that you will receive us. Give us the faith to trust in your goodness and your power. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.